Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This time from Pastor Nick Scott. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you here this morning. Got a great uh, passage to look at uh, shortly. But before we come to that, I just wanted to uh, just very quickly mention uh, an event called Movement Day that uh, I have become very involved in in recent times, uh, both at a national level and then coming up this year uh, for our city here in Perth. And if I were to give you a one-sentence summary of what Movement Day is about, it would be that one on the screen. Movement Day showcases inspirational stories of collaboration and encouragement to develop and affirm the unity of the church and its mission in every community. Uh, so I hope you pick up from that that the focus of this is not just it's not our church, it's not, our, it's not Mount Pleasant Baptist, it's actually the wider body of Christ across the city and uh, how the Lord's leading us to work together more collaboratively, something he's uh, actually leading cities all over the world seemingly simultaneously to move more and more in this direction. So it seems a global move of God. And uh, so at our movement day here, which we'll be hosting here at Mount Pleasant, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's not for everyone, it may be for some of you here. Our hope is really to gather together some key church and marketplace leaders from around the city, along with those really, which is where some of you will come in, uh, anyone who really has uh, what I'd describe as a God-given passion to see the wider church come together and those denominational barriers break down. If, uh, if that's you, if that sort of resonates with you, I'd love you to be, come and be part of Movement Day here in Perth and uh, you can register, you can grab a flyer from the, uh, the foyer or you can register through that website, movementday.com.au. Um, the date's the 4th of May and uh, certainly would appreciate your prayers in the lead up to that event. Well, as I say, we've been working through the, uh, the seven letters to the seven churches, Revelation, the first few chapters of Revelation and uh, this morning we come to the, the penultimate Letter, the final one next week, Simon will bring to us. Simon has uh, been at uh, Kubelup this morning, and uh, this morning we look at this letter to Philadelphia, and I believe Suzanne is going to read that for us. Thanks, Suzanne. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogues of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious... I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. 
Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Thanks, Suzanne. So... In each of the seven letters, we, what we see is that there's actually a, a new, like a new revelation uh, in each of the letters of who Jesus is. Something specific is revealed in each of these letters, usually in the opening few words, about his character, uh, his very nature. And so here in this passage, we see Jesus is revealed as the one who is holy and true. In other words, he's the real deal. He's the, he's the, Jesus is the genuine article. He's, in his very character, he is pure and untainted. And uh, in John 17, Jesus' famous prayer is recorded. And uh, as Jesus prays to the Father, Jesus himself defines eternal life. And he says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Then uh, in another of John's writings, one of his letters, he writes uh, three letters in the New Testament, 1 John 5.20, he also says this, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. There is no other. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal life. So as I began to just reflect on this revelation of Jesus as the one who is true and pure and untainted, I was uh, reminded actually of the sound of a tuning, the tuning of an orchestra. And an orchestra tunes itself to a very particular frequency. It's very interesting. I find it interesting anyway. It's a note that's known as A440, which is 440 hertz. It's very specific. And some of you will know that this note is traditionally played by the oboe first because of all the instruments in the orchestra, the oboe is the one that is least affected by humidity or heat or cold or other external factors. And so it's the one instrument that can be really relied upon to proclaim a note that is true. So very importantly, before the orchestra plays... The sound of the oboe rings out with that true A440 note and all the other instruments listen very carefully, the instrumentalists, and then having heard that note, they then tune themselves, not to a note that they think sounds about right, no, they tune themselves to that A, that very specific A440 note. And uh, so we're going to listen for a moment just to an orchestra tuning. I want you just to listen for that oboe, that's that repeated sound of the oboe. There it is.
I love it in a little while. But Jesus is our A440. And one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit is to sing that pure A440 note into our lives, the note of truth, the note of purity, the note of holiness, to sing it repeatedly, to sing it continually so that those who have ears to hear, for those of us who have ears to hear, we can then attune our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and our responses and our behaviour to that pure true note, not to what seems right at the time or what other people might say is right, but to that pure true note of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that together, not only are we individually in tune with the Spirit, but together we are in tune with the Spirit and therefore also with one another. Better keep moving, we're only at the first phrase of the first verse of the passage. But the passage moves on from this idea of the one, Jesus being the one who is true, the true note moves on from there to use language of uh, keys and doors. And uh, if you're like me, then keys and doors feature very prominently in your day-to-day lives. If I ever lose my keys, that uh, becomes a very serious matter. I need them. Every day I leave my house, I lock the door, I unlock my car, I get in the car, I turn the ignition, I drive to the office here, I then lock my car, I unlock the side gate if I'm here early, I uh, unlock the office door, There's a whole lot of keys and doors involved in all of that process. Those keys and doors prevent or allow access. If I don't hold the key, then I don't have that access and I can't do any of those things. Well, very importantly, Jesus says in this passage, when it comes to the life of the kingdom, I hold the key, says Jesus. In other words, I'm the one who controls and enables or prevents access. He says, what I open, no one can shut. And what I shut, the door I shut, no one can open. And then he says something, particularly to the church in Philadelphia. It doesn't apply to all believers of all time, but applies to that church at that time. And for reasons that I'll come to in a moment, I believe also applies to Mount Pleasant Baptist Church at this time. Jesus says... I have placed before you, church, an open door that no one can shut. A door of kingdom opportunity that Jesus unlocks and flings wide open saying, walk through this door, walk this way, follow me through this open door of opportunity. See, the reward of faithful service is greater opportunity for service. The reward of faithful service is greater opportunity for service. It's a principle that's born out in the parable of the talents that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. And in the parable, the master comes to the servant, the one, there's a number of servants in the passage, but he comes to the one who has been faithful, the servant who's been faithful, and he says, you've been faithful with a few things. Now, because of your faithfulness, I will now put you in charge of many things. You've demonstrated that you can be trusted with a small amount of responsibility. So now I'm going to give you a greater amount of responsibility, along with great blessing. Abundance actually is the word Jesus uses in that parable in verse 29, a bit further down. To those who are faithful, there's a promise of abundance. 
So when we were planning this series uh, as a preaching team back at the beginning of the year, we were looking through these letters and coming up with appropriate titles for each of the messages. And uh, when we came to this letter, the phrase that stood out to us was this phrase in verse 11, hold on to what you have. And so I began to just think about that phrase and pray about that phrase, hold on to what you have, and uh, just reflect on what was it and what's in the text there what was it that the church at Philadelphia had that they needed to hold on to and I began to think some more about our church here at Mount Pleasant Baptist and what is it that we already have as a church here that's significant that we also need to hold on to and uh, I think I've found some common ground you can discern that for yourselves as I now share these three things that like the church of Philadelphia we as a church here at Mount Pleasant need to hold on to hold on to what you have is what Jesus is saying so the first of those things I'd suggest is that we should hold on to our foundation of faithfulness there's a link between the foundation of faithfulness and the open door of opportunity What Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia is there in verse 8. He says to them, you church at Philadelphia, you have kept my word. You've kept my word. You've been faithful. As a church, you've been faithful to me. You've been true. You've been constant. You've been unwavering in your devotion. Interesting, Jesus is revealed as the one who is true. Now he says to this church, you also, you've been true in reflection of that. You've been faithful, you've kept my word, you've stayed on track. And here at Mount Pleasant Baptist, we often make reference to the faithfulness of God. Uh, We say very frequently from this platform, God is faithful. And generally there's a resounding amen, God is faithful. We emphasise that. It's it's actually a right emphasis that that, that God is faithful. He has been faithful to us. But here's a church, as in Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, that now has flourished here in the city of Melville, in the city of Perth, now for nearly 60 years. That's significant. 60 years. And, uh, you know, through that time, we've had our ups and downs. Uh, Over the years, we've faced some challenges, but we've never had a church split. And our growth really has been quite, you know, if you're grafted, it's quite steady, uh, slow but steady growth, strong growth through that whole time. Something I think is very significant is that even here this morning, uh, many, many people, I've seen some of you already this morning, many were here in the first service, who have been part of this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church for 30, 40, 50, yes, even 60 years. There's still a handful of people who were here at the very beginning, been faithful. Still, many of those people continue to serve, continue to pray, continue to give, continue to sacrifice, continue to worship, continue to support, continue to be a part of what God has been doing for 60 years and continues and will continue to do. Faithfully so into the church into which you've been planted. You haven't strayed away, you haven't wandered off to another field where the grass seems greener, which is a very tempting thing to do at times. You've been faithful and there's a link between the foundation of faithfulness for a church And the open door of opportunity. And I believe Jesus would be saying to many of you longer term people, you have kept my word. 
You've been faithful. Hold on to what you have here at Mount Pleasant. And some of us relative newcomers reap the benefit of that and are inspired also to continue to be faithful. It didn't really surprise me a couple of weeks ago at our uh, Keys to Effective Prayer seminar when a godly prayerful woman from interstate came to me and she said, the Lord's given me a picture for your church. Sort of sit up and listen when people say that kind of thing. Um, Sometimes those conversations are interesting. They don't always lead anywhere. But uh, I find them interesting and so I listened. She'd never been here before. I hadn't met her. And she said to me, the Lord showed me as we prayed for your church this morning, the Lord showed me your building with a strong steel frame around it. A steel frame that spoke of stability and uh, strength, but also a sense of construction. Like, uh, you know, you see buildings with scaffolding around the outside. That actually there's, uh, there's more building being done. There's more development. Like a further story being added. So something that's going to add further, uh, further development, further influence that your church will have here in the city. The Lord has more for you than what just is here at present. This was sort of the nature of the word of God through that picture. Well, Jesus says to the church of Philadelphia and perhaps to us today, see, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Perhaps he's saying that to us today. There's an open door of opportunity, of influence. I've actually placed you here to be this gathering and this, this size and this influence because there's more I have for you. So hold on to this foundation of faithfulness as you stand on the shoulders of others who've gone before you. It's a wonderful foundation. Well, the second thing we need to do is what I've said is, uh, to, to hold on to is a, uh, a demeanour of dependence. Now, this might seem to contradict my first point, but Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, uh, actually, you have little strength. What he's saying to them is you, actually, you're quite weak as a church. You have weakness about you. There's weakness. You know, uh, as a pastor, especially as a pastor who mixes around with lots of other pastors uh, across the city and around the nation, uh, I'm keenly aware that for a church like ours, What seems to be strong, in actual fact, is quite fragile. That what appears to be stable and dependable and, you know, strong, can all come tumbling down very quickly like a house of cards. And all it will take is some poor decisions, perhaps some moral failure of some key leaders, perhaps uh, a scandal of sexual misconduct, the kinds of things we've seen in other parts of the body of Christ around Australia that causes great devastation and destruction. Suddenly, we have those things in our midst here and everything starts to go a bit pear-shaped and people start to scatter. They don't want to be associated with those things. It's fragile. There's fragility. And apart from God's hand of support, we actually have little strength. Power is easily abused, but weakness... Interestingly, this is not a rebuke from Jesus to the church of Philadelphia. It's it's an asset, in a sense. Weakness. Weakness often leads to dependence upon God's power. That's the idea. God's consistent promise in the scriptures 
is that he will walk closely with and he will embrace the broken and the humble, but he will distance himself. God will distance himself from the proud and the self-sufficient. So you know what? As a church here, the minute we begin to look at ourselves and start to think, well, just have a look at us. Haven't we done well? Have a look at our facility. It's a world-class facility. We can begin to be quite impressed with ourselves, actually. And haven't we got a great cafe? And did you know we're actually the largest Baptist church in WA? As if that's some kind of a big deal and God must be impressed with what a great job we're doing. Well, you know, there's a danger we start to think those things. Perhaps believe our own press. And actually we find one very thin ice very dangerous ground. So we need to hold on to a demeanour of dependence and to say with Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What do we boast about as a church? Do we boast in Christ? Do we boast about our weaknesses? Or are we just delighted at what a great job we're doing? Lord, we need you day by day. This should be the prayer of our hearts. We need you moment by moment. We depend on you moment by moment. We adopt this demeanour of dependence because actually we understand that apart from you, Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we are nothing. Apart from you, we actually have no significance whatsoever in kingdom terms. Many years ago, Margie and I, uh, my wife, uh, used to do quite a lot of singing together, usually with a group, and uh, we often sang a cappella, uh, if you can believe that. So I was a bass, and she's, she was an alto. We probably still are those things, if given the opportunity. Uh, it's been a while. But typically, when we were singing these songs, there'd be four of us would gather in a room, and uh, we'd be sort of have our music ready and we'd be ready to uh, you know, sort of follow the parts, often quite complex harmonies. And uh, someone would then go over to the piano to give us our starting notes. And uh, so it would sort of go like this. Mm-hmm. Have you got your note? For those of you who are remotely musical, pick a note. You ready? Not bad. I mean, it's okay. it was okay, wasn't it? It was quite nice. Let's try that again. Just a little bit more volume this time. A bit more. What's the Italian word? What's the word for volume? Is it forte? Anyway, a bit, a bit. I'll just say it in English. A bit louder. Got your note? One, two, three. Beautiful. That's absolutely fantastic. So that's what we would do. We'd get our notes, and then we would sing through this song. And it would meander all over the place. And then typically the song would finish on the same chord as it started. And uh, we'd be thinking, oh, that sounded quite good. We're sort of quite pleased with ourselves. And then typically uh, one in the group would say, I wonder if we're still in tune with where we started. And so then we would wander back to the piano and we'd sung this song. And we'd all have in our minds the final note that we would sung. And it was this note here. 
And then someone would come to the piano and play that chord again. Oh, see that? So sometimes in the space of just one simple song that we were singing in this a cappella song, we dropped an entire semitone. Now, in musical terms, that doesn't sound very much, but uh, you know, if you're a musical person, that's, uh, that's very bad. You should be able to sort of hold the line and stay in tune. Well, it was always disappointing to discover we'd so quickly drifted from what was true. And the same applies to the church and to the Christian life. And let me say the Christian life is not an a cappella journey. We don't sing... We don't live out our Christian lives unaccompanied. We walk together with one another with mutual accountability and most importantly we walk together with the accompaniment of the Holy Spirit who is true and who broadcasts into our hearts that true A440 hertz pure note of his pure love and his pure truth and his pure righteousness. And it's for us then as we live our day-to-day lives to listen And to align ourselves, to attune ourselves to the one who is holy and true and walk faithfully and boldly and obediently through the doors he opens. And if we fail to listen to the one who plays that true note and plays it consistently and continuously so we can hear it if we have ears to hear. If we fail to do that and we choose to sing unaccompanied, we will quickly drift into a different key. If we start listening to one another and different opinions and views around the place instead of that true note of the Holy Spirit, we're on dangerous ground. Hold on to what you have, says Jesus. Hold on to that demeanour of dependence, that understanding that you need the constant presence of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you and to keep you in a direction that is true. Hold on to what you have. Demeanour of dependence. Number three... Hold on to the promise of protection. You remember uh, back in Exodus when God revealed himself to Moses and uh, there's that beautiful story that I think Graham referred to a week or two ago. Uh, It's one of my favourite stories in the scripture where God places Moses in the cleft of a rock to protect him. And uh, God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord. In your presence. Well, the name, we understand, represented the uh, kind of the fullness of his very character, the fullness of God's mercy and his grace and his compassion and his love. All of that was to pass before Moses and it would be so overwhelming for him that he needed to be protected in the cleft of the rock. But all of those things, his mercy, his compassion, his love, his faithfulness, they're all caught up in this idea of the name of God. And the beautiful promise of Jesus here in Revelation 3.12 is that Jesus will write his name on us as a people. He'll write his name on us. We often think of the fact that our names are in the book of life. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus, your name is in the book of life. But his name is written on you. The promise is to do with identification and ownership and belonging and protection. And I have a fairly uh, rudimentary uh, uh, illustration for you this morning. An example, uh, this next picture is my dog, Sasha, whom some of you have seen before. Well, let me tell you that Sasha wears a collar and on that collar is a disc that has my mobile number on it. And that means if she wanders off the path or gets lost or uh, if anyone 
uh, finds her, they'll immediately know that she's not this sort of random stray dog that nobody loves. She is loved. Believe you me, she is loved. And she belongs to someone. She belongs to me. And even if she loses her collar, she's got one of those microchip things that, uh, you know, vets or whoever else can, with the right thing, can scan and immediately, my name, my name will come up. Or this person, this, this dog is, is marked with this thing. It's my name will come up and all my details will come up on their computer. As I say, it's a bit of a crude example. But Revelation 22.4 speaks about those who are the true servants of God and says that they will see his face. This applies to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will see Jesus' face. They will see Jesus' face and, listen to this, his name will be written on their foreheads, will be marked by the name of Jesus. The promise of Jesus to you, if you're a true follower, is that he will write his name on you to say, this one is mine. When you come to that day of coming face to face with your maker, Jesus will look at you and say, this one is mine. This one belongs to me. I will mark you with my name, my very character. I will mark you with my grace. I'll mark you with my mercy, with my compassion, with my love, with my very nature. Those very things are written on you. And as you follow Jesus in this life, day by day, those aspects of his character, his love, his grace, his compassion, his mercy, they begin to be forged into your very character as you're made and formed into the likeness of Christ. His name is written on your forehead. So when you feel a bit lost, which we all do from time to time, or when you wander, you know, those times you wander off the path, you know what's right, you know this is the right thing to do, but you deviate from that. You wander, which we all do from time to time. Be reminded that you have this promise of protection, this beautiful promise of protection. But Jesus says, I will write on you my name. And his encouragement to us this morning is hold on to what you have. Hold on to that promise of protection. As we close, let me return to that sound of an orchestra tuning. You know the tuning process has an important purpose. It's not the performance, it's the preparation for the performance. And for me as one who loves music, I, uh, as I said earlier, I love that sound of the orchestra tuning. I love it. Because it creates in me a sense of anticipation and excitement. I know that something beautiful, something amazing is to come. There's this symphony to be played. This is not the symphony, but this is important preparation. And so there's this anticipation, this excitement. Hold on to your foundation of faithfulness. Hold on to your demeanour of dependence. Hold on to the promise of protection. Hold on to what you have. Most importantly, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus so that when he raises his baton, if in a sense we can carry this analogy a bit further, and Jesus we see as the conductor of the orchestra. And he says, it's now time to play. That we have attuned ourselves to that A440 song of the Spirit in our hearts and we're ready to follow, ready to play the symphony together. 
Well, may we have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us today. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, we thank you for your word to us and we thank you this morning for uh, the amazing faithfulness of your Holy Spirit who, as we devote our lives to you, Lord Jesus, rings out that true uh, A440 note into our hearts. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us to be those who don't just wander off and live lives that become flat and out of tune, but that we continually listen, that we turn our ear to you and hear that ringing of your true voice in our hearts. Help us, Lord, we we need your help. We need your help day by day, moment by moment. And we thank you that in the name of Jesus we have it as we turn to you in faith. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.